Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hello and welcome to the Tide Chasers podcast, everyone. Now, if you haven't already done so, please make sure you like, subscribe, share, and leave us a review because it really helps us out. Now, before we get underway with our show today, I just need to let you know where you all the platforms you can find us at. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Alexa, and TuneIn, Podcast Addict, Podchasers, Pocket Cast, Deezer, Listen Notes, Player FM, Podcast Index, Overcast, Castro, Castbox and pod friends now we're also on social media look look us up on facebook pocket on facebook it's going to be tide chasers podcast we're also on instagram it's going to be tide underscore chasers and we'll be having a youtube channel up pretty soon we'll keep you guys updated on that now we got all the business ends out of the way let's have some fun just letting you guys know today's episode is going to cover one of our favorite species and that is the sheep's head more specifically the jersey sheep's head uh, also joining me today, as always, is my partner, Dan McCart, and our special guest host, our fishing buddy, Johnny Boy. How you guys doing, man? Great, man. Great. I'm excited about this one. You know, when uh, when people see that the three of us are together, I'm, I'm guessing that they're going to be licking their lips, you know, rubbing their hands <laughs> together because we're going to be talking about sheep's head. And I, I don't know a whole lot of people that are out there doing it as much as we are. So they're going to get a lot of good info from us tonight. So. What do you think, Johnny? Yeah, uh, first and foremost, I want to thank you guys for having me on this week's episode. It's definitely a privilege. And, you know, I will be happy to go over the things that we, we definitely learn in the fishery that we have here in New Jersey. So it's definitely going to be a fun episode. Yeah, man. All right. Um, so, you know, as all three of us absolutely love sheep's head, we eat, sleep and drink and do everything over sheep's head. We're obsessed with them. We all know that. Now we're just going to go with our first experience. Dan, what was your first, very first experience with sheep's head? When and where? And if we were with a friend or with who, 
Yeah. Like what made you fall in love with this fishery? Well, I, it started, you know, I started out, um, seeing a lot of different things on, on Instagram, you know, from insomniac, uh, guide services. And I would see him posting his catches and I've, I've followed him for a few years. And I saw how he was essentially the, the king of sheep's head in Jersey. And I'm like, man, this is a fish I haven't caught. I got to catch one of these. So I, I bounced around for a little bit, trying to catch them on foot and, uh, struck out and, I uh, had conversations. Uh, this is going back. I think 2018 was when I first started getting interested in them. And then 2019 was when it kind of opened up for me. Um, I got to hop on my buddy's boat on a whim. Uh, Mike from Captain Mike from Never Enough, uh, based out of Stone Harbor. And he's like, he called me up actually when I'm on my way to vacation with my family. He's like, how quick can you get here? I, I got an opening on my boat. Let's get out. And uh, we went out. Conditions were terrible. You know, it was windy. It was, it was just not the perfect conditions, but he's like, we are catching a sheep's head today. I'm going to make sure you get your first one here with me. And, and it happened, you know, we, I, I had one hooked up. It's probably about a seven pounder. We had it up next to the boat and it kind of broke free. And this is after a few hours of frustration because I was new to it. And then finally I linked up with a, an absolute stud, which is still my, my PB. My, my first sheep's head was a 10.2 pounder. Uh, about 24 and a half, 25 inches. And uh, obviously we released that fish and that, that was, that was just the start of a, of a great, uh, great vacation. Cause I got out on some more fish, but yeah, that was it. Uh, thank you. Captain Mike Smith from never enough. Really appreciate your uh, expertise on those fish and get me on them. But yeah, I mean, there's a lot of great captains in our, our South Jersey region that, that know how to catch these fish. We're very fortunate. So now there's a lot of other people getting into the sport. Fantastic. That was a great experience. All right. Up next, Johnny, tell us your first experience. Could be probably similar minds, but go ahead. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Kwa. So I believe, I think it was in 2016 or 2017. You know, before that time, didn't really know anything about sheep's head. You hear about it a lot from the southern states, but you don't really hear about it a lot up here. So I think, you know, I believe, I believe Kwa brought it up. Hey, there's a guy that runs a charter, Insomniac Charters. He does like these sheep's head trips up in the South Jersey. So he he hit me up, Qua hit me up and said like we need I need another person to go and tag along so that we we have like a two two man charter for this for this Insomniac trip. So I was like, yeah, you know, I, I'm just going to, you know, let's pay the money, let's do this. It's a bit, it's going to be a really good experience. Very first time, didn't know anything about it, didn't know what to use, didn't know how to you know, face like structures or anything like that, because it's a, it's a totally different game of what I'm used to catching throughout the years in Jersey, where, you know, your typical species, like you hear about all the time in Jersey. So I believe it's more towards 2017 in the summer. Uh, we went, we booked a trip, I believe it was around June and we took the trip out with Captain Dan. And I mean, it was more towards where the trip was half, for striped bass and then the other half was for sheep's head so we've focused we kind of focus mainly for bass in the morning and then later in the uh, morning we will go for the sheep's head and it's kind of slow i mean we were thinking we weren't really expecting a lot so we were kind of you know grateful that we actually caught some fish and i believe me and you caught one fish each that day 
and they were both studs. I yeah. believe my fish went towards 12 pounds. No, you're, you're very, I don't first, remember. I remember your very first sheep set, New Jersey. I remember this, like I have the video still like, like it was yesterday. It was 1367. I, I, <laughs> I really don't remember, but we netted you remember it. that pretty well. Yeah, we netted <laughs> it. We put it in the live well because we wanted to weigh in because we know it's a citation fish. Just, just to let you guys know, any fish in New Jersey, over thir- any sheep's head in New Jersey, over 13 pounds is a citation sheep. You can go, if you can keep it alive, bring it to a shop, weigh it, and you'll fill out the paperwork, and they'll give you a pin. And that's exactly what we did. We put it in the live well. We took it over to Higgins, and we weighed it. And uh, it ran. It went thirteen sixty seven. Yeah, I, even I don't remember because it was that so that long ago. Yeah, yeah, it thir- yeah. It was thirteen sixty seven. We put it back in the live well. I had one that day too. It didn't break double digits. It was close. It was like nine pounds eleven ounces. And I was I was really sad because I wanted a double, <laughs> but I mean one ounce off. But still, it's just I didn't get a citation, but Johnny did. He got his paperwork. He got his pen. He still has his pen now somewhere. So, but yeah, it was it was a great first day. All right, go ahead, continue. Yeah, like you said, um, you know, we registered that fish. The uh, official weigh-in was about 13.67. Uh, I'm taking it from your word. Um, so, and then like two weeks later, received a certificate of recognition, a little pen stating like, you know, this fish has reached a size where, you know, don't, it's a citation size, don't see a lot of fish that big. And I kind of have it like on the shelf, kind of like framed up because it, it was actually one, one of the biggest accomplishments in my fishing career to actually catch my very first fish, but catch a fish of that caliber, that size. Uh, it it kind of made me feel like, you know, that trip was well worth whatever time, dedication, money whatsoever. And, you know, ever since that day kind of got hooked into to, to the art of sheepset fishing. Now, I mean, we, we definitely had, many trips with captain dan schaefer over the what past three four years mm-hmm. we may catch fish big like that we may catch fish small like that but you know it it it, it was really a good time you know it, it i think all in all that was like probably the most valuable experience i don't regret it and i'm glad <laughs> to like get into that game and you know ever since it's just been doing it every year every summer we've been we've been targeting sheep's head at the certain amount months you know uh, Absolutely, man. I, I mean, I, I, I got experience Dan Schaefer now. You guys talk him up, and I got to get out there with him. He's. It sounds like he's the uh, the 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 shepherd of the sheep's, and uh, obviously he's great at other stuff too. He wins tournaments, uh, fluke fishing. He catches tons of bass. So, how about you, Kwa? What about you? How, tell us about your experience. I know it kind of is. It's kind of the same experience, but it's close. It's close. It's pretty much the same experience, except my sheep's head started when I was a kid. See, I came from Florida uh-huh. originally, so sheep's head down there for us is normal. They're a nuisance, you know. But but you don't get that caliber of fish size. Like you can go on any jetty and or bridge piling and pull up like one two pounders all day as fast as you can put your book hook down, you know, you're going to pull up one, two pounders, which is, it's, it's, it's fine. I mean, they're, they're, they're fun, but like when it gets to size, nothing beats a, beats a Jersey sheep up here. And like, same thing, you know, I go the same thing story with Johnny, you know, 2017, uh, I wanted to do sheep's head so bad. I've been watching Captain Dan post so many photos of these beautiful fishes up here. And then the, the, the size of them is just what got me interested. So I called Johnny, Johnny said, okay, let's do it. 
booked a trip. You know, like you said, first half of the morning, we did bass, caught a few bass. Second and half, the other half of the day, we started dropping for sheep. You know, like the technique he was just teaching us was something that we've never done. It's a totally, and we're going to get into that in just a little bit, but it's just, it's such a different technique. The bite is something you have to learn. You know, most of us are like, oh, well, we talk fish. This is like the same thing. No, it's not. It's completely not the same thing. And we'll, we're going to explain it to you why. Uh, we hooked a few fish that day, but guarantee we broke off more than we hooked. You know, I guarantee me and Johnny Pryor broke off at least, at least four to five double-digit fish. Like literally, they, they were just, they they overpowered us. They were just, there's no way of getting them out. It's just That's just the way the game plays. I mean, lucky enough, Johnny landed at 1367. I dropped in the 911, and then it was, it was two good fish, two solid fish that day. Sure. But yeah, it was, it was a great trip. Totally. And then, you know, from 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020, uh, I did at least three trips a year with Captain Dan, you know, I mean, specifically for sheeps. And, you know, as of, as of since last year and this year, you know, I got my own boat. So now I've been hunting sheeps on my own, but you know, I'm got, I got to give credit where it, it goes, you know, cause Captain Dan over the past five years has taught me at least 80 to 85% of my knowledge. Everything I know I've learned from him and, the last 15 to 20% is something I learned little by little as I'm experiencing this all on my own, on my own skiff. So, you know, as I'm progressing, it's, I'm learning more and that's, and these fish intrigue me that I just want to continue learning everything about them. When you want, when you think you figured them out, they totally change. That's just the way they are. Yeah. It's amazing. You, you know, the, we talk about these double digit fish and I got to experience some of the like fishing down South and, you're exactly right. I mean, you can't keep these smaller fish off the baits. And then uh, the the larger fish, even like five pounds and above are, are fewer and far between down there. Yeah. You know, that's why that's why we uh, we take special care of our fishery up here, just because, you know, we don't know how many giants we have and we're seeing less and less of them year over year. So the, the idea is we want to keep seeing them. So, yeah. Now, I, I think we can go down a list here on this one and I'll agree. Like, we're all using bottom sweepers for these uh, these sheep's head for the most part, I would say. Am, am I wrong? Uh, yep, 100%. No. Yep, bottom like sweepers. Um, yeah, so before we get into, like, the, the actual gear, let's uh, – when do we start targeting them? When do you start targeting them, Dan, do you think? I actually – it's I, I usually – when fluke season opens now, I kind of do, like, a, a double thing. I'll fish for fluke a little bit, and then I'll, I'll fish for sheep's head. So, like, end of May – um, end of May, early June is probably my, my time to start targeting them up here in Jersey. Um, I try and do a couple combo trips. It's a lot of work to, to go in and out, you know, the bay, but you're going to be fishing different areas for, for both species of fish. But hey, what, what can I do? I love them both. So but yeah, probably, you know, a little bit after fluke season, you know, probably very early June, late May, somewhere in there. Um, Johnny, do you have any opinions? When do we start targeting them? Or do you have an opinion? When do you think they start moving in? Yeah. So, I mean, over the past four or five years that we've been doing this, um, you're thinking as early as mid, mid May all the way to October, but you know, some, some years are, are different. They can be later than others, but we have caught sheep's head in May and we have caught sheep's head throughout the summer, all the way up to September. I don't think we've gone an October sheep's head uh, over the past years, but uh, you know we we've definitely seen pictures. We've definitely seen people say that they got them in October. So I would just say in that time frame of around mid May 
to about early October would be the best time to target them if you were to go for them. Right. And from the experience over the past few years, yeah, I think about mid-May is a good time to start looking. For me, it's like my opinion and my theory is that I think they move in with the drum, like the black drum. When black drums start moving into our waters, I, I feel that they migrate with them that through the uh, the Delaware Bay and then they make their way here. And then, you know, they are hanging off the jetties and then like they literally move inshore, inshore into our structures. Yeah, brown mid mid may end of may you know when that water starts picking up not not saying i'm not saying that they're not here all year round i'm i'm gonna say i assume they're gonna be there's a lot all year round here but we just don't target them like you gotta think about it florida they're hot their their hottest time is winter that's when they're the fish are super active like sheeps are super active in florida when the water drops down to 40 50 degrees you know, I mean, I've seen a few photos this year, you know, they, they've, they've seen sheeps swimming around the pilings in like 30 degree water, you know what I mean? So we never target them. So we don't know they're active, but we just know that, you know, they're here. Yeah. I mean, we, we saw some, some nice ones caught this year and this past year in November, if you, if mm-hmm. you remember that, that what was it like a 12, 13 pounder caught, you know, in some near shore wrecks. Yeah. Yeah. So, yep. you know, that, that we may just be on the, the, the tip of it, you know, where, where we're targeting them there. We may have opportunities outside of our normal time frame that we typically think we can target them. Like you said, I mean, in Florida, they, they move in shore. This, this is the time of year they move in shore to spawn and then they get real active. And then in the summertime down there, they move, they move out to, you know, the near shore racks offshore mm-hmm. and such. Yep. Um, and we kind of get the opposite thing here. You know, they, they move in here during, you know, early summer and they move out late fall. Um, late fall is when, you know, they start getting uptick in their, uh, their activity on the sheep's head down South. So it's, it's kind of, it's kind of interesting to see how that fishery is different in different regions. I'll, I'll never forget talking to, um, to the owner of uh, one of the owners of I strike fishing about one of his, his lures that, um, the, the, the jailbait reef jig, uh, for sheep's head. I told him, yeah, we, we get sheep's head up here. And he he just assumed it was a different fishery just because he didn't believe they, he didn't know that they made this, this trip, the range up here. So it, it's interesting, you know, the difference in the fisheries, um, you know, all, all the way down to the types of baits that they use. Some of those are different than what we're using here. It's just, I guess, what's available to them and what the, uh, the present bait that they're eating. So. Gotcha. All right. Well, let's, uh, before we get into that, let's do, um, let's do tackle 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 is very specific in this region. You know, guys down South, down South, like to use heavy equipment. I mean, for us, we're, we're on a totally different ball game. Uh, Dan, describe us your, your setup for the day. Uh, basically, and this is, this has evolved over time. Uh, you know, I've, I've used some recommendations of guys that were doing it before me, but I'm using like a, a 2500 series Stratic, um, 20 pound braid, 20 pound test fluorocarbon tied off to a, a bottom sweeper jig. Um, the rod that I'm using is going to be a seven foot uh, Tsunami Slim Wave, uh, medium heavy. I just really got to like that rod this year. Um, our buddy Kyle actually recommended it to me and uh, his friend Dave also. Great rod. Love that thing. Um, I was using a, a uh, St. Croix Avid inshore before that. And the action on the tsunami slim wave, the tip, it's just, I, I get a little bit more sensitivity. Um, but I'm using the lightest possible 
bottom sweeper I can get away with. You know, color is secondary. There's there's a lot of different colors. I, I do just as well using you know plain lead as I would chartreuse. But there's a range of colors for different uh, different baits that you would uh, pair it up with. Uh, but typically if I'm fishing our Jersey back Bay waters, I'm trying to get away with, you know, no more than a half ounce bottom sweeper. If I'm using more than that, I'm not fishing it right. You know, I, I you know, I, I look for those back eddies uh, on the backside of pilings and, and uh, I drop that three eighths ounce bottom sweeper as close as I get into the piling. If I can't hold there, I, I, I try and move around so I can find some space to, to go down because you know, the lighter, better. It's, it's less obtrusive to the fish. They're smart fish, you know, that you, you see videos of them, how they react to different baits under, under the water and they're very smart. So the, the less obtrusive that you can get. And I've tried a bunch of different, different tackle for these fish. And, and I've kind of honed in on these bottom sweepers, the way that it presents the bait upwards keeps the jig head from being less visible. So it's, it's just like the perfect way to present your bait in front of this fish. And I, I love them. I was a little late to the party, but I love them. Can't, can't, can't go wrong with bottom sweepers. All right, cool. Great answer. Great tackle too. Great choice of tackle. Johnny. Yeah. So, you know, I'm just going to back off Dan. Want to go as light as possible, light as possible as I can. So the setup I use or I run is a seven foot uh, tsunami carbon shield. It's uh it's one of those, teal green looking color rods that a lot of people have now uh, it's probably one of the best rods that i ever bought so you know i use it for almost everything so i have a seven foot carbon shield um, medium heavy so it's rated up to one ounce and then i run a pen conflict 2 uh, 2000 size 2000 and i run 10 pound test with that reel i know 10 pound test sounds very 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 daring to do to use especially fishing heavy structures like uh like pilings but you know i believe the lighter the line you use that line will cut right through to the water making sure that your line stays as tight as you can towards the piling and i know a lot of people like they use 15 pound 20 pound tests i've even heard people use 30 pound tests for that i mean i've been getting away with 10 pound tests this whole uh past year I don't think I broke off any fish. As long as you play the fish nice, you know, these fish are going to come up. Just take your time with them. And just like Dan said, with the bottom sweeping jigs, try to go as light as possible. You know, the money, the money weight that I see is what Dan has mentioned, a half ounce bottom sweeper jig. I think anything more than that is it's very difficult. Um, three quarter ounce. Oh, I, I don't like using that. It's, it's just too heavy. The fish will feel it before you even set the hook it'll just spit it right out so i i mean the lighter you can go the better but i mean there are times where you can't go that light and that's usually when you know you, it's probably not like a good day to target them so light as possible light tackle um that's something you know i, I always you know try to to use when we go for a sheep's head uh any given day most I, I'm a, I'm I'm in agreement. Like if if you're going if you have to go above half ounce, you better you better start fishing for something else. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty exactly. much. If you gotta go more than half, you better go find something else. And uh, hey guys, listen, to Johnny, man, he he he's been doing this for quite a while. And uh, just this past season, he's put thirty one in my boat. All right, he's put thirty one sheep's in my boat. One over one one that went eleven. One eleven. Yep. One eleven. So 
he's 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 been putting some big numbers in my boat. So um as for me, pretty much close setup to Johnny's uh tsunami carbon shield two, medium heavy, identical rods. Um I'm using a twenty five hundred uh Stratic FL. Um I'm up between these two guys. I'm at fifteen pound braid and a uh twenty pound of uh, fluorocarbon leader to a bottom sweeper jig. Same thing. Three eight ounce if I can get away with it. If I if this current sweeping just a little bit more, half ounce is the max. Uh, as color wise, no preference. Uh, I'm a lead guy. I'll I'll drop lead any day. Um, colors may make a difference depending on the water clarity, but like most days, I don't think they're picky. Yeah, but they'll uh, they'll they'll I mean they'll hit any color as long as it's food in their face. You know what I mean? Um, besides that, like I mean, you can go up and braid. I really think you can, but like. Try to get away with it as light as possible. Um, Johnny's pretty brave with 10. Uh, 15 is good for me. I've been comfortable with it. And, you know, D- uh, Dan uses 20. The thing is, with sheep's head, no matter how big the fish, it's there's there's a system to fighting them. And most people, first thought is hook the fish, tighten the drag, horse them out. That's completely wrong that's just something you just can't do and i'm, I'm gonna tell you captain dan has taught me this is like first you hook the fish then you let him do what he wants to do you hook the fish you you crank back on the drag just a little bit loosen it up a little bit let the fish do his thing um the secret to it is the resistance for some reason sheep's head when they feel resistance they're going to go the opposite direction so when you hook them you literally just hang on for your life and let them do what they do. Nine out of 10, if you don't fight them, you just keep the bend in the rod so they don't pop the hook. What they're going to do is going to go to the least amount of resistance. So if you're not fighting them, they're going to swim out to open water because that's what they're trained to do, to run to open water. If they feel resistance, as you said, like you literally trying to fight them back and feel they're feeling, you're feeling that pump of the rod, they're going to turn the opposite direction and run into structure. And that's something you don't want to do. Um, you, 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 once you get an instruction, nine times out of 10, you're not going to get them out. It's, it's, it, you might as well just break off and let them go because then you're not going to get them out. So once you set the hook and you hook into a decent one, you know, it's a decent one, let them do what he got to do. You know, move your boat. That, that's the way I do it. Once, once one of my guests on the boat, they, they, when I know they hooked into one and I know it's a sheep, what I'll do is I'll push off a piling and literally use my trolling motor and I'll kind of guide the boat away from structure and just slowly let the fish slowly let the boat drift where it needs to go. And once we get into open water, like literally open water, there's no structure around. Then I'll tell the guys tighten up the drag a little bit. Now put on the heat, like literally put on the heat and start cranking them in a big sheep. You're going to be fighting him for at least 10, 15 minutes. Anything over 10 is going to be a good 10, 15 minute fight. You know what I mean? He's going to run. He's going to come up. He's going to see the boat. He's going to run. He's going to go, he's going to dive deep. And then he's going to come up again. He's going to see the boat. You'll do that. You'll play that game for about three or four times and then they'll finally give up. And then you just net them. So, yeah. And then that, that second where they come up sideways and you can see them like this, it's not over. They got another run in them. I've lost big fish when they come up sideways and they're just laying on their side there. There's another run left. Just be ready for that because that's when a lot of people will relax and it, it's the, the wrong time to do so. If you can't get them in the net and they come up sideways like that, just be ready for another run. Now, question for you guys. What what type of what type of condition will cause you to change the type of 
the type of bait or or lure selection you're using for these fleece fish. Obviously, we know we're using bottom sweepers. However, dirty water, are you trying a different color? Are you still dropping lead down there? Um, Johnny? Yeah, so, you know, with water clarity, definitely plays a big role in sh sheep's head fishing. They're more likely in the sight feeder category of the type of fish. So most of the times when we go out, it's usually good water. It's like the greenish, bluish water. Um, th at that moment, I probably use plain, uh, plain lead or white. Um, forgot to mention, like really, there really isn't a preference on, you know, bottom sweep colors. As long as the conditions, you know, are, you know, suitable for you to use a type of collar. Now, if the water is kind of dirty, kind of a little bit brownish, uh, I'd probably go with the pink or the chartreuse just so there's a little bit of color, you know, going down the pilings just to be able to catch their eye. But, you know, this is just just solely on preference. Um, it, it's it doesn't make it, it's not really hard to think about it, especially if you go out, you're, you're, you're fishing on the sheephead's ground, you're going to know, you're going to know the water clarity, you're going to know the conditions. And it's really up to your judgment on what you're going to do. Um, you know, especially what, um, jigs you're using, bait you're using. So with the dirty water, I probably use the, the Asian shore crabs on the bottom sweeper, uh, chartreuse or, um, what is it? Pink. And then with the clear waters, I'll probably use a fiddler crab with a lead, uh, plain lead or white colored bottom sweeper jig. So would you say the Asian shore crabs is your preferred bait, Johnny? Yeah. Um, I would definitely use Asian shores. I think, you know, I, I believe like, you know, with the fiddlers, there, there are certain times that they'll, they'll, the sheep said, will they'll hit fiddlers over the Asians, vice versa. They'll hit the Asians over the fiddlers. But my go-to is definitely those really small, uh, I would say like the thumbnail size um, uh, Asian short crabs. Those are like one shot, one shot kill. Um, once they hit, hit, once they grab onto the jig, grab onto the crab, if you're quick enough, you can strike them. You'll, you'll get them almost every time. Now, now personally, I've found the Asian short crabs to be a little bit softer. What do you do to keep them on the, on the bottom sweeper on the hook properly? How do you, how do you rig that up? So with the Asian shore crabs, yeah, you're right. Like, like normally the Asian shore crabs are definitely softer. Uh, the shells are definitely a little softer than the fiddlers. So the best way for me to, um, to describe this is when I put Asians on, I just, I, I look at the bottom of the crab, go in between the third and fourth leg socket. I just stick the barb into there and try to get it all the way in where it will touch the other side of the, uh, the third or fourth leg socket. You just want to kind of like hammer it in, but not too deep or you'll just go right through. The barb will go right through the leg. You just want to make sure it's kind of like, you know, snug inside the leg socket and kind of touching the inside of the other leg socket. That to me is uh, how I rig them. Um, stays on, I would say nine out of 10 times. Um, especially if you don't get a hit, you're reeling back in Oh, the crabs right there. So that's how I would personally, uh, rig up an Asian shore crab on a bottom sweeper jig. Okay. Uh, Kwa, how about you? What is your, your preferred, uh, like conditions and then, uh, what baits are you, what baits are you using, uh, for, for the sheep's head? Um, condition wise, um, the water, it's gotta be green. It's gotta be that real green stuff. Um, clear. Uh, there's days that I've, we've gone out and it's been super clear. You could probably see 20 feet down. 
but we didn't buy a bite all day. You know what I mean? Like, so it's, it's not more of like the fish have a preference of what water they like from my experience in the past two seasons. Um, it's more of like if they're there and if they're hungry, like we've seen, I've seen them and they won't eat. I haven't seen them and they'll feed. Um, I've caught them in dirty, dirty water. You know what I mean? It's just, it's just, it's more of like, it's, they're opportunistic feeders, you know, when they get the chance. And if you drop that crab on top of their head, they're going to feed. Um, as for bait wise, um, I've had luck with both. Um, but my preference more on the, uh, Asian shore crabs. Uh, one is they're easier to catch as bait and, uh, and fiddlers. I mean, fiddlers work. They do now, but it's best bet. If you're going to go out for the day, try to have both. Cause you, you don't, you never know one day. They want be one and one day they want the other. You just got to flip flop. You know, if you have two or three guys in your boat, you know, have everyone use different baits and see what works. Um, color wise on jigs. No, nah, I've, I've always used plain lead. That's just me. I, Everything, everything I throw down is plain lead. Uh, Johnny's like the masterpiece in white. He's always loved white. I don't know why, but he's always had white jigs and he's always caught fish. So, yeah, I would say for me, uh, my preferred bait is going to be fiddler crabs. I, I've just had for Jersey. Uh, I'm, I'm obviously I'm speaking Jersey specifically here. I've just had the most luck on fiddler crabs. Now, as you said, you could spend an hour of your day just catching crabs. It's, mm-hmm. it's they're not easy to catch. So. You got to factor that into, you know, whether you're hitting the right tide and all that kind of stuff. If you're catching bait, I, I like to go out my headlamp on nighttime right before I'm going to be on the water and catch them. But it's not always easy. So um, the the available, usually you'll find both of those kinds of baits, fiddler crabs and Asian short crab generally in the same areas, um, as long as there's some rocky structure around there. Uh, I also like sand fleas, believe it or not. Uh, my my best day that I've ever had sheep's head fishing 90% of the fish were caught on sand fleas. But as far as Jersey, I would say fiddler crabs, sand fleas, and the Asian shore crabs would be for me. Um, my also best day that I had in Jersey, I, I hooked up with six fish and uh, landed three of them, was the dirtiest water I've ever fished for them. Super dirty water. I couldn't see like inches down. Um, we've we've heavily debated this. And that something I do that I, I see some other, other guys do, like Elias, for example. Uh, I'll crack the back of the shell when the water's real dirty to get some extra scent moving along without killing the crab. You know, I just push my thumbnail in through the back of the shell, kind of opens it up, gets all the juicy goodness flowing through the water. And I feel like that gives me a little bit of an advantage when I'm fishing the dirtier water. Maybe it's all mental. You know, I've seen some other guys do it, but for me, I, I, fi- I found I've had greater success when I, when I break that shell in dirtier water, but you know, obviously ideally, like you said, green water, I don't need it to be super clear. I just need it to be pretty clean um, for me to be like, okay, this is it. So uh, how about tides? You guys, is there a specific tide? I know, I know we, we talk a lot, you know, as long as the tide's moving is, is the ticket, but is there a specific tide you prefer? Um, from my experience, the uh, tide does matter. Um, the way these fish are is the higher the tide and faster moving the tide the higher in the water column they're going to be. If you're going to, you know, if you get my point, it's like if the water's coming up, they're going to be higher up in the column. And then if the water's moving fast, they're going to be more tucked behind these eddies, behind these bulkheads, these bumpers. And they're going to sit there because they don't want to fight. They don't want to fight current as much as any of us. So they're going to, they're going to be sitting right behind that eddy 
they're just waiting for stuffed crabs, crustaceans, anything to go around those eddies, those bumpers, whatever they may be, and just pick them off. As the water drops, they're going to be low, more towards the bottom. They're going to be sitting more towards the bottom. And if it's the water's more slack, they're not going to be tight on structure. Since there's no current for them to fight, they're spread out along the bottom. They're, they're, they're munching. They're moving. Uh, one of their favorite food is uh, calico crabs. You know, they, they, they go around looking for calico crabs when they, when they're, when it's slack. So ideally you want to catch them when the tide's moving along as there's a tide and better at a higher tide because you're, you're going to get a better chance of fighting, finding fish up in the, up very higher in the column. Now for me, it's just like, and I, my ideal is uh, either it's going to be two hours before high or two hours after high. And that's when the, the water's usually moving the quickest. And that's when you're going to find the fish up in the upper column. Um, no more, usually five, 10 feet down. You know, you're going to find them there. If, if they're there first five, 10 feet down, that's, that, that's where they're going to be. Quadi, you can, or how about Johnny? Do you want to talk about how, how you uh, inch your bait down to, to, to find the fish? Yeah. I, I, I know. Uh, I know specifically, like you watch videos of sheep's head and people are dropping straight to the bottom and mm-hmm. you're scratching your head like you're you're dropping in right on all the interference fish. Tell, tell me how you do it, Johnny. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So um, whenever we come up to a structure, um, like like Qua said, you really want moving water just so you can fish. The, you want to fish the back ends of those bulkheads just to get away from that, that current break. So for me, um, what I would do is take, take the jig with the crab. I'll get real tight to the, to the, to the piling where the current is breaking and I'll drop probably maybe increments of five feet. Um, I would definitely hold the line as well when I'm, um, releasing the line into the water just so that, um, I have a better feel of it, you know, coming off more smoothly instead of wildly, especially when you have, if you have wind or anything like that, um, if you just open your bail, the bales, your line's just going to come off kind of wildly and, and it's just going to look bad. It's just going to get caught into the current and pull you away from the piling. So I kind of guide the line slowly down every five feet, um, releasing the bail, opening the bail. I'll probably keep, keep the bait there for about five, 10 seconds. And then I'll drop again, another five feet, another five, six seconds. Don't get a hit drop again. And maybe about another five, six feet. So it, it really is increments, but there are some times where, you know, like Hua says, if they are on the piling and if they're there, they will hit almost immediately on the first five feet or the first 10 feet when you drop your line. Now I don't really go all the way to the bottom because like you said, Dan, you're going to catch all these small tog or these baby black sea bass or even those oyster toad fish. So try to try to stay away from getting real close to the bottom. Uh, that brings up a real bad experience for me. I'll never forget. First time I went out for sheep's head by myself on my, my previous kayak, I went out and I'm dropping down to the bottom. I'm like, what the heck am I doing wrong? I'm catching oyster toad fish after oyster toad fish after oyster toad fish. So obviously I did my homework. And I'm like, Ah, so that's it. That's it. I'm doing it completely opposite of the way I'm supposed to be doing it. I was doing it by, uh, based off of how I see other people doing it elsewhere. And it's, it's just different here. I mean, I've actually been very successful doing it the same way elsewhere, but these people down South, they just drop right to the bottom with their two ounce weight and two hooks on there. And 
you know, hope for the best. They're, they're using high low rigs for sheep's head. Yeah. Well, are you doing the same thing when you're dropping down for sheep's head? Um, yeah, pretty much. Um, tip rod tip as close you can as you to the structure, um, six inches above the water. And, um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll pop open the bale. For me, it's like two feet increments. I'll open the bale, drop it two feet, close the bale, wait. No, five, 10 seconds, nothing. Open a bale, another two, three feet, close whale. I'll work it all the way close until the bottom. And if, and then, um, if it hits the bottom, I'll let it sit there. I'll let it sit there for like five, 10 seconds, and then I'll bring it back up and I'll hit that piling one more time. Same thing. I, we usually hit pilings and, and structure only two drops. If, if you do it twice and there's nothing there, move on. You know, don't, don't work the same piling five, six, you know, 10 drops. If the fish ain't there, they ain't there. They, you got to keep moving. Then they, you know, for, for sheep said, you got to keep moving. If they're down one spot, you got to move to another spot. You move another spot, you move another spot. You keep, you keep moving until you find them. You know, it, it, they're, they're, they, they love to swim around and feed. They don't, they don't stay in one spot. And, and that's exactly right. They're, they're schooling fish. So uh, I've worked, uh, I've worked over a set of pilings, like in the morning, like, the same tide, like going nuts. I, I leave it, go elsewhere, come back, work the same piling, same tide at, on the other side of the tide. And it, I catch fish. So if they're not there one part of the day, they might be there another part of the day. So mm-hmm. You never know. They're just, they're very unpredictable fish, which is I think why we, why we love the chase, man. They're, they're, they're still unicorns to us. I mean, they're, they're, they're not, they're not, they're not as these big fish, these big sheeps that are not as common as, as a lot of people think they are. Now, have you guys ever targeted sheep's head uh, in Jersey on jetties or near shore, offshore structure? Um, we have not. Well, um, we're, when we, we're always on the jetties talk fishing, um, but we've never caught one. Um, we've, we know people that specifically target sheep's head on, from jetties, and they've been very successful. Um, but that's just, that's just a whole another game in itself. Um, we've had, you know, it's not saying they're not there. They're definitely there. We've had, you know, we've had experiences. We have people, we've had divers that told us, you know, they've seen massive schools of like 30, 40, 50 fish. You know what I mean? So they're there. Um, this year we may attempt it. You know, we get the chance we're out talking fishing. We'll, we'll, we'll put a little bit more effort into, you know, looking for them. Um, I've heard of guys catching them in, on, on inshore wrecks. So, uh, not a lot a few so with that mind with that thinking i think we get some fish that move north to south and then we get fish that moves from east to west or west to east however you want to say it and uh yeah i think they they move out and they move back in and then that that's my theory behind it so and i do think we have a lot of resident fish too but we also have a lot of big fish that move and i think the bigger fish are the ones that migrate like the bigger eight nine ten pounders those are the ones that move because you know, we have there we have decent fish here in South Jersey, but North Jersey's got them. But no, it, that's that's un, untouched territory. No one fishes for sheep's up there, and they're there. And then, but they've been catching sheep's all the way up in New York. You know, Elias has been catching sheep's all the way up in Sheep's Head Bay, and you know his 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 sheep's up there are like thirteen. You get one up there is thirteen, fourteen pounds. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I communicate with a guy up there in New York. His name's Sean Kelly, and he he's probably the best that does it right now up there. He's He's uh, he's definitely a, a a solid guy for New York's fishery to to kind of follow Sean Kelly. Um, they also, I mean, 
there was there uh, there was reports of them caught in Connecticut last year too. So their range is expanding. Any do you guys have any theories on what kind of biomass we have in Jersey or any kind of theories of like them? Because we we've all heard from our diving buddies that there's tons of fish out there. Mm-hmm. That there's no there's no absence of big schools of fish and there's big fish mixed in. So my question is, do you guys have any ideas like as far as how many are out there? There's spawning behaviors in our waters. You want to touch on that, Qua? Um, I think we have numbers here, just not not as many as say South. You know what I mean? Like well, well, like from recent years, yeah, like when we first started in 2017, uh, there were a lot of big fish here. Like literally any boat that any fish that we landed was over to eight eight, nine, 10. Like we did not have any small fish as the year progressed. The bigger fish disappeared. Don't know if they're because they're migrating out or the fact that more people are catching on and are starting to harvest the bigger fish. But, you know, as we progressed and kept fishing, we started seeing a lot more four, five, six pounders, you know, the average ones. And then, and then, you know, then in the past two, three years, me and Johnny has been putting like, we've been catching a few one, two pounders, you know what I mean? So they're here, they're smaller ones. Now we're getting, now we're getting a good mass, different size, anywhere between one and like 14 pounds. So it's, it's mixed. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking they may either breed offshore of us and then come back in, or they may even breed inshore, you know, and, and they're, they're staying because I've had a few buddies pull up minnow traps and he they've had baby sheep set in them like infants like juvies so i think we're starting to develop a nice fishery of them um you know but me honestly i think the biomass is they move a lot that's what it is i I think they do move and they're here for a short period and then they move and then like i said i think they do move with the drum migration Johnny, you have any theories on the, the their breeding habits or the biomass of the fishery in our in our state? Yeah, I can I can definitely touch on this. So you know, in my preference, you know, I I don't really have that much experience on you know the the habitat, the the, the behavior of the sheep's head. But you know, if I can guess, you know, there are like Wa says, there are numbers um, that do move up this far north in the northeast. Um, however, I don't. I don't believe like, like you would see all different types of sizes. I know down in the South, there's tons of small ones. Like you'll get those itty bitty 10 inch fish, 12 inch fish, 14 inch fish. Um, it looks like at, at some sort of size, you know, when they start migrating and start moving up North, um, the bigger fish tend to keep going and going and going further up to, um, like we said, like New York or maybe Connecticut, like last year. So more of the bigger fish have the tolerance to, you know, you know, to deal with. Water is probably like 80 degree weather waters. And then over here is probably like, I would say like mid seventies, lower seventies like that. But, you know, I I don't, I don't have too much of an, uh, you know, an idea on, you know, their, their, their moving movements, uh, moving around up and down the, the, the Northeast. But, you know, if I can, if I can like say 
they are here and they're probably going to be here for quite some time coming up and down the, the East Coast. I have my opinions on this, but I'm going to have you guys weigh in first before I give my answer on this. But what would you attribute the explosion to the popularity of sheep's head fishery in the last, I don't know, two years or so? Johnny, you want to weigh in? Oh, so, yeah, I I definitely want to touch base on this a little bit. I don't want to go too far into this, but I know it's a lot of, of this, you know, big boom of people targeting sheep's head, being sheep head fishermen in, in New Jersey. Um, you know, I believe a lot of this is word of mouth. Um, you talk to your friends, uh, friends of theirs, like, Hey, uh, you know, we are seeing big sheep heads being caught, um, on this, uh, bait and tackle, of uh, uh, social media or their friends may send them a picture of a, uh, of a nice sheep's head in Jersey. So, uh, you know, a lot of that, a lot of that influx of, you know, people targeting sheep's heads it definitely has to be word of mouth. Now, I mean, will everyone catch one on their first time or, or second time or, or, or ever? Yes, maybe no, but you know, they're, they're definitely going to try no matter what they're going to keep trying and trying until they get, get dialed in until they'll be able to catch one. And if they, if they are able to catch one, they might be, you know, more interested in, in fishing for them now than beforehand. So, um, you know, I, I really think that this definitely does contribute to the big, the big influx, the big boom of people wanting to keep going. And, you know, who knows how many people are going to go for them, you know, this upcoming year. So time will only tell. Qua? Um, for me, I think the big boom is just more of a lot of people are just trying to catch something that no one can. You know what I mean? There's a reason we call them unicorns. I mean, when we call them unicorns, the guys down south, they, they pretty much laugh at us. But like, what do you mean? We can go out in a day and catch 10, 12, 15. We don't care. The, I mean, the reason we call sheep's head up here unicorns is we can go out 10, 12 hour days and not have a single bite. You know what I mean? But there'll be days we can go out and we'll, we'll have, we'll put 12 in the boat. You know, me and Johnny went out one day and put 12 in a boat, you know, within like four hours, not, not a problem. But then there's days me and him has been put 14, 15 hours in and had one bite, one bite all day. You know what I mean? And we didn't even land it. So it's like, it's they're, they're unicorns. They're not easy to catch. I mean, I honestly could give you my spots. Like literally I'll tell you which, which bridges or which pilings I fish. There's a good 90% chance you won't catch it. You won't catch a single one. There's, you got to know there's technique, there's style, there's what, you know, everything plays a role into it. You can't just go there, drop, drop a crab down and expect to catch one. It doesn't work that way. You know what I mean? So that's why. And I, and I think this big boom is because people are on social media are posting photos of these nice size, big sheep's head and weighing them in and stuff. And it's just like, everybody wants something that they can't get. You know what I mean? Like for me, I see guys posting Jersey redfish, you know, that's, that's on my list. You know, it makes me want to go for them more because why? Because it's one, you can't, they're not easy to catch here. You know what I mean? Like right now in this group, there's, there's only two of us that call redfish. Johnny's caught two, two Jersey reds. You know what I mean? And Dan, you've, you've slayed reds in Virginia all the way down to South Carolina. You know what I mean? So it's like, I haven't, I've, Reds, yeah, I've done reds in when I was, you know, when I lived in Florida. I've done reds, 40, 45 inch 
full reds. You know, reds aren't anything special. Just the fact that that red that I want is from my home waters. So it makes this big boom of, yeah, I want to catch a Jersey sheep's head because it's a Jersey sheep's head. It's a unicorn. Not everyone can go out and catch it. And that's why the whole boom came about. I, I think those are definitely great answers. I, I, my theory is that as you see other fisheries kind of dry up and get harder to catch fish that people can take home to eat, they look at sheep's head as an unregulated fish at this point and like mm-hmm. think it's like open season on sheep's head. Um, that's part of it. I don't think that's the whole thing of it. I know that there's people out there that, uh, that have told me that, Hey, listen, I'm having a hard time catching one keeper fluke. I want to go out and catch something I can eat. And sheep's head is another option. Um, also the pandemic. I mean, a lot of new people just jumped in, uh, this past year into, into fishing, like just in general, I, mean, I saw people in the water, uh, with ca- brand new kayaks, fishing some of the same spots I'm fishing, catching sheep's head. And it's, you know, it's their first year with a kayak. Um, I, I think that's part of it. And then again, it's a special fish to us still, you know, it's not, it's not something it's, it's a tropical fish kind of, I mean, you, you're used to seeing them down South. It's not something that's a common thing and to wrap your head around seeing a sheep's head, you know, above Maryland or above Virginia, really. It's, 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 it's still, it's still cool is the right. thing. It's, it's still the right. cool thing. Um, I think that just really plays a part in it. I mean, holding those big sheep's head, those powerful fish, yeah. it's it's still a status thing. It's it's still a cool thing. Hopefully that changes and somebody will move on to the other fish and we can have them all back to ourselves again. But I have a feeling that uh, that fishery is going to continue to blow, to explode in our waters, and I'm hoping that we have the fish to sustain it. All right. Well, I mean, since we're on the subject um... – how do you feel about the regulations? Uh, Johnny, how do you feel about the regulations that Dan just said that there are no regulations currently in New Jersey? Well, how do you feel? Should they enforce one? Should they create one? Yeah, I'm. for me, it's kind of a tough subject to talk about because, you know, when you, when you, when you think about people fishing, there's, there's two types of fishermen. You have people that fish for the sport and you do have people that fish for food. Um, just to take home to eat. Um, for me, um, with this fishery being unregulated, I can't really say that it should be, nor could I say it shouldn't be, because it, it really does depend. I mean, I know, I know down south these fish are regulated. Um, I, I don't know the regulations top of my head down there, uh-huh. but you know, but you know, there's there's also another fish in this area that is unregulated as well. And that fish is the trigger fish. Now it's regulated down south, but up here, there's really n- no regulations on the trigger fish as well. For me, there's there's kind of similarities on those two fish. However, you know, with the trigger fish, I can say, you know, I could rightfully say there's a lot more of those fish than sheep's head. If you understand what I'm saying, it's it it, it really is touchy with with certain species. So like if if we're talking about the sheep's head. Um, you know, if I can speak for others, I would, but for me, um, I probably would not put a regulation because one that will not drum up a lot of business for people that actually charter, like, you know, people that book charters just to go for sheep's head. And, you know, with the clients that charters have, you know, they, they, they have a choice. They can release them. They can harvest them. I mean, they're basically paying for the service. 
However, if you are sport fishing fisherman like me or Uqua or Dan, I mean, we can say like, hey, yeah, it can be regulated, but um, to our eyes, it should be regulated. But if you think about it in other people's eyes, you know, they're probably not going to, you know, favor that. And so, you know, to me, I just think that if you, you really have to think about if you are targeting these fish, um, if you do decide to harvest one, I would just try to harvest one very selectively. Try to be try to be very selective on what if you do tend to harvest, maybe take one. In my preference, take a smaller one. I would say anything around like two pounds, three pounds. Those fish are kind of the younger ones. Keep the bigger trophy fish back in the water. You want to let them grow out their lives and, you know, so that we can see more of those in the near future. So that's that's my take on it. You know, everybody's opinion is going to be different than mine's, but that's definitely my take on that. Personally, I feel um, I, I do think they should be regulated. and I, I'm not a fan of overregulating anything. However, you know, for every sportsman, there's also people that poach and people that do unsavory things, you know. Uh, below us, Delaware is also unregulated. However, once you get into Maryland, Virginia, they have their four fish. I don't think it's unreasonable to uh, hope and want for a four fish limit on these sheep's head and, uh, and hope that we can protect the fish for future generations. Like my son, for example, I'd love to get him out there fishing for him. Uh, I just, I don't, I don't think the, the lack of regulations now with the explosion of popularity in the sports is a good thing for the fishery. Um, I don't have any issues with people harvesting fish for the, for, for the table. I do it. My, my kids, my wife eat fish. Um, however, if you, I think it's, you know, responsible harvesting is letting the bigger fish go and, you know, kind of looking into that two to four pound range as a, as a good quality fish to, to bring home for the table. You know, one of those fish can, can, can feed a, can feed a couple, two of those fish can feed a family if you, if you do it right. So there's no sense in, in taking more than is necessary. I'm, I'm not a fan of that, but you know, I've, I've been in situations where I've, I've caught a lot of fish that I've brought home to my family. I, I, I keep fish for my wife. I keep my, my wife's family or mother and father, my, my sisters-in-laws, their families as well. So I, when I'm harvesting fish, I'm harvesting for, for other families as well, but I still try and take the, you know, the, the responsible route. You know, I, I just think it's smart for us to, 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 to look out for these fish. So until we know what we have and kind of make sure that we're putting the fishery in, in, in its best play, best health. Kwa, what do you think? Um, I think, I think a regulation would be an ideal for me wise. I'd like a regulation. Um, but I mean, even, even with regulation, it's not like you're going to be able to catch four in a day. You know I mean? It's still at that. So, I mean, we don't know the numbers exactly what we have here to even create a regulations. Um, you know, but as a, con- a conservationist you know, between the three of us too, you know, and everyone else we know, just, just use selective harvesting. You know what I mean? Big fish, you know, anything eight, nine, 10, you know, let them go, let them grow. Cause you figured those fish are, they have, they have the big studded genes. So, you know, that they're, 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 um, their babies are going to be grown that size if you allow it to. And you figured a, um, a 10 pound, a 10 pound sheep 
Um, I think I scaled it. I aged them out. They're about, they're about 15 years old. A 10 pound sheep's about 15. Yeah. About 15, 16 years old. If you get anything up to 14, 15, now you're looking at a 20 year old fish. You know what I mean? It's like that fish has lived 20, you know, 20 years survived to be this kind of trophy. Now, wouldn't you let you, wouldn't you like to release it and maybe catch it in a few years and it'll be a 16 pound, 17 pound fish. You know what I mean? And it'll give them the opportunity to reproduce and create, you know, more, a bigger gene pool of bigger fish. Um, if you're going to harvest, you know, harvest two, three pounders, you know, they, they're nice fillets on them. Um, yeah. I think we put in, we put about 53 fish this year, 53 sheeps on the boat this year. Um, we harvested two. The only reason we harvested two, because my guests on the boat, they, uh, they wanted, they wanted to experience the taste of a sheep and how do they like it? You know what I mean? Um, Johnny harvest is one this year just because he wanted to know what, if, you know, what it, what it tastes like. And then he's going to, he'll tell you a little bit later, you know, how he, how he prepped it or what it, you know, how he, how he, how he thought of it. So, I mean, a little bit later here, he's going to tell you what his opinion on the taste of a sheep head. And, and Dan's had, Dan's had sheep. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah. I, I try to, I try to not take them from our waters. Cause I want to, I want to have, I'm, I'm selfish. I want us to have as many as possible to catch. So, when I go south, that's when I, I bring some fish home. So where, speaking of that, going south, Kwai, I know you've you've fished for them outside of our Jersey waters. Johnny, yeah. have you ever fished for them other than New Jersey? Yeah, I tried one time. Um, this was before I got into the craze. One time in Delaware, um, I fished the um, fished the Indian River Inlet for them, um, but uh, didn't really do well. But that was the only time I targeted them outside of New Jersey. Uh, everything else was all inside Jersey, whether it be up and down the coast, but only one time outside. Gotcha. How about you, Qua? Outside, I know you've caught them in Florida. Have you caught them anywhere else other than Jersey and Florida? Um, no, just just Jersey and Florida for me. Gotcha. Now I've targeted them all up and down the coast. I've caught them in New Jersey. I've caught them in Maryland, Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina. Um, I had one on in, in Delaware and lost it, but it's, it's different. I mean, it's different as you get outside of our waters, the way you target them. So I really enjoy fishing for them in our waters just cause it's, you know, it, it's home really, but it's kind of cool to, to catch these fish right in your backyard, so to speak. Now, um, the, have you, when, when we're talking about the, the recipes, Johnny, that's where we're going to jump back in and talk about like yeah. what, how you've prepared the fish. How have you prepared the fish that you've harvested? I, and I'll talk about how I've done it after you, after you wrap yeah. up. Yeah. So, um, I, I, like personally, I, I, you know, I'll be upfront and honest, um, past four years for doing this, I've harvested two fish, two sheep's head, all in the two, two pounds, two and a half pound range. Um, both times, um, I, I've taken it home. I, I've filleted them, got really nice piece of meat, it, you know, the fillets are probably like at least an inch thick with with those uh two pound fish so i don't see why you know you're not going to get a lot of meat in a fish that you know that size it, it it could definitely feed a few people if if you wanted to so the best thing i i've done with it i um you know i flayed it um skinned it and i kind of cut it into like like strip size pieces like kind of get like more like fish sticks fish tenders or like that and i would like you know throw in a lot of seasoning salt pepper any spices and i would i would like 
kind of deep fry it. You know, I, I go into flour, um, egg mixture, panko breadcrumbs, and I would like shallow fry it until it's like nice and golden brown. And you know, it, it, it's, a, it's good fish. Uh, I'm not going to say it's the best fish I've tasted. Um, you know, if I had to compare the taste, uh, compare the texture of the sheep's head to a fish that, you know, I, I, I've eaten a lot of, um, that fish would probably have to be a tall talk or, or a, uh, blackfish. Very, very similar, very similar in taste. Um, the only thing different with it, it's, uh, is the talk is the meat's a little bit, it's a little bit sweeter is a little bit, um, I would say more tender than the, the sheep's head, the sheep's head meat's a little little firm a little bit too firm for me so you know it, it you know it was good um you know just to harvest one just to get a take on you know how how the fish was uh when i prepared it but you know i personally probably would not take another sheep in probably like a few years because there's definitely other fish that are you know, better for the table better food fare and you know it goes to show you like, you know, it's, it's always good to try. So you, you get, you kind of get like the understanding of like how this fish tastes. So that that's for me um, personally. Clive, you, uh, have you tried them? Um, I have not. Honestly, I have not. I have never harvested sheep in the past five years. Um, no, I don't think I can say I have. All right. Well, the way I've prepared them is my, I have, I have three kids. So fried fish is, is king in my house. It's just easy. That's what everybody likes. You know, the brown foods, fried fish is king, but I've also done it on the grill and it holds up pretty well. Now I found, found, um, they might be just a touch delicate for, uh, for, a you know, a, a, a grill fish where you can put it right on the, the, the grates. So if you have some kind of, uh, cover, you know, some grill cover where you can put it on over that, it's a good, good option to grill them. Uh, my my family really like the grilled, they really like it fried, um, but not as much as like flounder, for example. You know, so it's not something that's going to be a common occurrence in my household. You know, we we did what you what you said, Johnny. You just want to try it and, and see if it was an option. I, I try and put different different species of fish in front of my family so I can see what makes sense for them. And so I have other options to harvest. I don't want to keep catching the same fish and bringing, you know, my limit of fluke home. I don't, I don't do that anymore. I used to, you know, go out and try and get my limit of fluke. Now, you know, I, that's another fishery I want to kind of protect. So I, I go for more sustainable things. So I kind of spread it out a little bit, but um, sheep's head is on the list. It's not high on our list. We have other options that we like. So it's, that's great for me because I get the fun fish. Uh, you know, I, I don't like, I, I hate cleaning fish. I don't even eat fish. So I like to let everything go. I like the fun fish. So now uh, to kind of wrap this up, we want to, we want to talk about, you know, for the new sheep's head angler, um, what types of things will, can we help them catch more fish? What types of suggestions can you get? Like, you know, we've talked about current, we've talked about, you know, uh, cloudy water as opposed to clean water. We've talked about which parts of the tide. Is there any other tips that you can give us, Johnny, that you can help your, your fellow new sheep's head angler catch more fish? Yeah. So, um, I, I think the one big thing I can think of, um, they don't really have to do this. Uh, this is just their preferences. Um, if you are a new person, new fisherman, new into the, uh, you know, in, into the sheep's head fishery, the, the, the sheep head crack, <laughs> I would hire, I, or I will hire or book a trip, uh, with, um, with a guide. Um, one is that you'll have 
full-on experience of you know with with the guide um out on the day on the water targeting those sheep. you'll go through everything um that you'll need to know um those guys are there to, to get you on the fish they are there to help you catch a fish um just if you know just to hire a guide just to book a guide you'll be out on the water you'll be able to have that hands-on experience you'll learn a lot of the basics at first and then if you if you do if you are successful you know if they're not successful on you know that that trip you know i i'd probably do some a little bit more research go on youtube um go on websites you know they'll they'll, they'll probably uh, guide you a little bit better but i really think hands on hands on experience on in the fishery is going to it's going to help the person like that's going to try this out it's 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 not it's not easy like we all said it's not an easy fishery. It's it's not an easy ca- fish to catch. It's not a it's not an easy uh, fish to understand as well because a lot of things are changing, um, different conditions, uh, adaptability of these fish. You know, there's seasons to it. So, um, just to have that sort of knowledge beforehand or or during the time that you're fishing will definitely help um, someone out, and then they can take that knowledge and apply it again and again. For future trips quality any pointers from you um yeah i'm pretty much the prime example of what johnny just des- described hmm. you know I mean first new guy you know don't know what don't know what i'm doing with fish don't don't know what i'm doing looking for sheeps uh you hire the best you know what i mean you find you find that you find you hire the best guide and let him teach you don't think just taking a guide out, you know, booking a guide for the day that he's just going to go out there and like give you a fishing rod, put bait and drive you to an area and tell you to drop it right there and catch a fish. It doesn't work that that way. If you book and hire a professional guide, their job is to entertain you for most of the day, teach you, educate you on this species of fish. You know, they're, they're, they're there to educate you. And as they say, a guide, their way is to guide you through the process of learning this fishery and you know, it's, it's worked well, you know, like I said, I've been taking guides with charters with Captain Dan for five years. And like I said, 80% of my knowledge is through him. Everything I know I've learned and adapted. I've learned and adapted. There have been trips where we've gone out and haven't caught a single sheep. You know, me and Johnny's had skunk days for sheeps on Captain Dan's boat. Do we take that as a bad day of fishing? No, it's not because the whole time we're trying to catch fish, he's working hard to put us on fish. The fish just aren't cooperating. But at the same time, he's still educating us every hour, every minute. Why are we are doing this? Why are we trying this? Why are we hitting this area? You know what I mean? So I don't, I don't say it's a bad trip. I wouldn't say it's even a lost trip. I just think it's just an educational trip. If you catch a fish, it's a bonus. That's always been my theory with any kind of guide. Totally agree. I I gonna triple down on what you guys just said. Uh, you know, I, I think if you're the new guy getting out, you know, hire somebody. You can't go wrong hiring Dan. He's from Insom Insomniac Guide Service. He's he's the best. Um, I was fortunate that I have a great friend in the industry. His name, you know, Mike with Never Enough, also out of Stone Harbor, and he took me under his wings. You know, I I would have been where I'm at now without his expertise. So it really is helpful to, you know, to, to lean on someone that does this every day, yeah. you know, that this is their, this is their livelihood. So they're going to give you everything they got 
for that period of time they have you on their boat. So lean on them, ask them questions, pick their brain. You know, that that's that's how you learn, you know. Beyond that, you know, a couple little uh, pointers, tricks. I always uh, like to, um, when I'm on the water, like if I, depending upon what I'm using, like, for example, if I'm using fiddlers, I'll break the big claws off and save them over to the side. If I'm uh, fishing pylons that have a lot of, you know, oysters or barnacles or anything on them, I have a spackle knife that I carry with me on my kayak and I chum. Um, don't discount those those claws you, you've left behind as extra bait because I've caught sheep's head. I caught an eight pound sheep's head last year in New Jersey on a fiddler crab claw. So there's just a lot of little tips and tricks that you can learn, you know, the spackle knife on the boat, on the kayak, you know, um, obviously, uh, fighting the fish like Qua had mentioned earlier, you know, not fighting the fish at the structure, letting it do its thing letting it run very important. Um, keeping it, keeping the heat on the fish. Once you turn it on, do not let loose and getting that fish in the net as, as quickly as you can. Once you've uh, worn them out from the fight. Those are all key, man. Those things, those are going to catch you more fish and just be patient. Your first day out, you're probably going to be pretty annoyed. You're probably going to be pissed. You'll miss fish. But when you connect, there's nothing like it. So that that's just my 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 little tips, tricks outside of everything else we've talked about. That spackle knife, saving those claws. And then any extra bait, I always like to just kind of like roll it up and chum it down. But it gets them fired up just like anything else. You know, other fish chum. They react to chum, they react to the bait, and it just gets them in a frenzy if they're if they're there, obviously. But all right. Um, I will um it's not a trick or trick. It's more like it's gonna be a question for you two guys anyway. Um this is very important though. That they need everyone needs to learn this. And then the thing is, if you're a talk fisherman, don't assume you'll make a great sheaves fisherman. All right. Uh this is why. Johnny, you Johnny, you can uh you can answer this one. Um and Dan, you also right after him. Describe a sheep's head bite. Describe to our view, our listeners, how a sheep's head bite is compared to any other any other bottom fish. It just happened. Yeah, <laughs> it 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 it's 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 simple, but it's very complicated to like describe it because it's it's it happens so fast. Um, when you're talking, you know. People talk, they feel the, the crunch, 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 tap, 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 machine gun hits. Um, you know, you're, you're probably going to set the hook. You'll probably catch it. You'll probably hook them or not. But with the sheep's head, the bite is completely different. Um, the best way I can describe it is like you're, you're standing, you're standing side by side by your buddy. And your buddy decides to play a trick on you and he taps the butt of your rod. That's basically the hit. It's very small, tap, subtle, boom. That's it. Um, more, more, more times, you know, you'll probably feel the feel the weight of the fish, you know, just eating, eating, or you know, it has the the jig in its mouth. But it's it's is just one sharp, subtle tap. I can't explain it any more than that. <laughs> Dan, that's true. It, it's really, I mean. It, and in, in, in adding on to what Johnny said about your buddy standing next to you, a lot of times the guy standing next to you is going to see you get the bite before you notice that you get the bite. You know, you're watching the, the very tip of your line, just waiting for just some little, little subtle thing. And 
you kind of get focused in on this one spot and you miss it because it's, you know, you're just like honed in on that spot and your buddy sees the bite, but you got your, your rod tip inches off the water. And, you know, the joke is, is you got to set the hook when the fish breathes on the, on the bait. Um, but yeah, it's, it's like the, the, there's, there's no little tap, 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 like you, you would get with a tog. It's, it's like tap done, gone. You know, you got to put another piece of bait on tap gone. Uh, you gotta be, you gotta be on your game. Like there's, there's no, a lot of times there isn't a second chance, you know, a lot of, a lot of times they'll come back if they never feel the the hook or anything like that. And, and, um, you're still feeding them, but it, it gets frustrating. So the, the idea is you want to be ready to, to just hammer away as soon as you get that tap. And a lot of times I will, I'll actually just lift my rod very subtly just because sometimes you don't even know they're there and you feel weight. A lot of times I'll feel weight and I'll just set the hook and go and fire away. And I've caught so many fish that I didn't even know were on my bait. They're, they're just, they're the most incredible bait sealer I've ever, I've ever targeted. Um, yeah, well, just brushing off those two answers, I'm going to give you a couple two, two stories, but also my theory on this. Um, well, first the way the hook set is the bite to me is it's very subtle, very light. I mean, there are days when they're hungry, they'll rip the rod out of your hand. There, there are definitely those days, but then most days it's as you're doing that whole technique we taught you where you open the bail, drop it, close it. The initial drop, you watch that line, you know, you're, you disregard the fact that you're feeling a bite. You're not going to feel a bite. You're just going to let that line down. You can close the bail. You watch that line. You see a hesitation, a pause, a anything happened, a twitch in your line. You set that hook. Doesn't matter. Hook sets are free. You know what I mean? You set that hook. You may lose your bait. You may not. But that's just the way they are. They 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 usually grab the bait on its way down or while it's sitting there. Um, so it's like, like I said, it's more of if everyone's ever been on my boat and you, and I'm there, I'm, this is the way I, I, I usually don't fish at all when I have guests on the boat. Um, I'll sit at the bow of the boat and I'll hold the boat still while my guests fish and I'll watch the line. I tell the guest, are you, are you focused? They're like, I like, yeah, you got no time. I like, you have, you better clear your mind. It's literally much yoga, clear your mind, breathe and watch that line and watch that rod tip. Any kind of different movement that doesn't feel normal in that line dropping, you set the hook and you set hard. And, and, you know, that's just, that's how I always tell That's how I was taught. And that's how I, I teach everyone else. And like this year, um, just like in uh, episode two, I had Lee Wakefield on the boat with me. Funny story. Took him out all day. Who was with me? Uh, Johnny, you were with me. With I was me that with day. you. Yeah, Johnny I was, was me that day. And we and, and, and Johnny caught, I think caught, Johnny had like two or three fish that day. Lee didn't have any. So uh, we pulled up this piling. I, I held the boat in place and, uh, and then told Lee to drop right there because I know this piling always had fish. So he drops it. I'm watching his line. Like I'm literally like five feet from his, his rod tip watching it. He drops it two feet, nothing. I said, drop it again. He drops it another two, three feet. Boom. He gets hit. I saw the hit. He didn't see it. He didn't see it. He didn't feel it. I was like, dude, you just lost your bait. He's like, what do you mean? I was like, I didn't feel it. I was like, he pulled up. He, he pulls it up. Bait's gone. I was like, put another one down. Same thing. I was like, watch it. It's going to be, he's going to, that fish is going to be in the five to seven foot. Cause that's where he hit it the first time. So he drops it three feet, nothing. Next one, five feet. He gets robbed again. I saw the hit again. I saw the, I saw the line twitch. I'm like, dude, you missed the fish. He's like, 
I didn't feel it. I was like, you're not feeling it. You got to watch it. So that this goes on for about four crabs. All right. This, this, this fish, this fish already robbed him four times. Same fish. This fish is like, yo, this guy's giving me food. I'm staying. So on the fifth crab, he drops down three feet, nothing. Now he's ready this time. Lee's ready. Five feet, nothing. I was like, the fish moved lower. He went down lower. I was like, drop it again. He's like, you sure? I, said, I shouldn't leave you here. I was like, drop it down. He drops it three feet. And as soon as it hits down to a three feet, the line went slack. And Lee saw it instantly. He's like, he's set. As soon as he set, the rod bent doubled over. And it, it, it started screaming. And I was like, I like Johnny pushed the boat. So we pushed the boat off, backed off. I was like, don't fight him. Let him loose, drag, loose the drag a little bit and just hold him there. And then, you know, I had to move, move my boat with the trolling motor all through these pilings until we got in open water. He pulled it up. It was a, it was, it was a good five, six pounder. Nice. You know what I mean? So it's like, you know, it's, it's you got to watch it. But then there's days it's just weird. Like the, uh, and then like three weeks later, I had his brother Joel out, you know, like uh, we fished for sheep in the morning. We worked, we worked everything. We worked a couple bridges hard, no fish, no bites, nothing, complete silence. I was like, uh, I like let, let's let's just go find something productive to do. So we shot out, went to do some togging. They had an incredible tog day. It was dropping real freaking keeper togs left and right. They, their arms were tired. We came back, went through my favorite bridge again. Uh, as I drove through and I was looking at the water, it was like so dingy, so brown, dirty. There was grass everywhere, and I was like, I went past the bridge and I'm just like, I was like, Joe, Joe wants a sheep. He's like, he's he he wants a sheep bad. Like it's, this was on his whole day on his mind. I was like, you know what? Let's let's just give it a whirl. I was like, we turn. I turned the boat around. I I motor. I troller motor up to my favorite my favorite bumper. This is my favorite bumper. I always catch fish off this bumper. So I told Joe, I was like, all right, I'm not gonna guarantee you we're gonna find you a fish here, but that's uh we're gonna we're gonna give it a whirl because it's it's worth a shot. The water's just right, and you know it's. I don't see why there might one night be sitting here. So I put them. I hooked. I hooked the crab on myself. And then I, I backed up, I held, I grabbed onto the bumper and I held onto it. I like, all right, Joe, water's high. It's kind of slight, it's kind of moving. So watch your rod. Cause if he's here, that fish is here in the first five feet. I'm going to tell you right now. So just be ready. He's like, okay, okay. I'm ready. So I, I held the rod right there and I, all right, all right, all right, drop it two feet. He drops it two feet. Nothing. Uh, he opens I tell him open the bail, drop it again. Closes the bail right about five feet. He gets hammered. Sets the hook, freaking I think it was like a five pounder came right up. Like, dude, he was so happy. Like the smile on his face just made my day better. And then I was just like, and then he took a nice, got, got some nice photos, released the fish. And then I was like, you know what? Let's drop another one down that pile. I have a feeling there's something else. There's another one there. So we hooked up another crab, pulled up to the same piling. He, I told him, do the exact same thing. Don't change nothing. And he did that. Second drop, bang, another five pounder right off that same one. Two fish in like, in like five minutes, and but we've been working all day for these things, and not a single one. And it was just their time to feed, and you know we tried it again a third time. That didn't happen, so it, that was that was about it. So I mean, like I said, uh, put the time in, and you know just be ready for it. And you know the, the bites, the bites not the the easiest thing to detect, but once you figure out that bite, then you got it locked. It's true. All right, so uh, I think we kind of went over everybody's PBs uh, earlier, but Johnny was the thirteen six seven. Is that your PB? Yeah, that was my very first one, and the PB, which is 
probably going to be very hard to beat. <laughs> yeah, I would agree with that. My first was also my PB, 10.2 pounds. So I got some work to do to catch up to you, boys. Uh, How about you, Kwa? What, what? I know you got a big one in there. What's yours? Let's see. Uh this uh last year with Johnny uh I was my PB. I caught one. We got I caught an 11, but that wasn't it. My PB was a a 13.20. And that one was by myself. <laughs> oh I li- man. I was by myself in my boat and I was fishing and the funny thing was um uh, Captain Dan was there with me too, but he was fishing on his boat on the opposite side. So like I literally, you know, he was literally fishing. We were doing the same thing. He was, he had, he had clients on, I was fishing solo and he, I, I, I just literally out of that minute, I was screaming, I was like, Hey cat, how you doing? He's like, not so bad. We, wanted, we got a fish earlier. I was like, cool. So I dropped my crab down. I think 10 feet down. I felt, I felt my crab hung up. I was like, I was like, no, this is not a hang up. So I sat as hard as I could. When I set, it felt like I set into a rock, but that thing was just like, it bent my rod doubled over into the water, the, the rod tip went into the water and it just started ripping. So I literally turned the trolling motor off so I could drift back into open water because I know this is going to be a fight. So I'm just like, I'm, I'm, I'm letting him do his thing. You know, once I got in open water, I tightened the drag up. I started, you know, putting the heat on him. He came up. As soon as I call, saw him in two feet of water, I almost, I almost screamed. I was just, I saw the size of him. I was like, I was like, holy moly. Like literally, so I'm like, I'm scrambling, right? I'm scrambling. I'm looking like, where the hell's the net? The net's all the way in the back of the boat. I'm at the bow. So I'm just like, crap. So I'm walk- I'm trying to walk this fish down. And he's not letting me walk anywhere. He's just like trying to reach, he's digging. He's literally digging. So I'm running to back to the boat. I'm trying to like one hand, I'm trying to freaking like unlatch the, 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 the net. And then freaking one hand, I'm trying to fight the fish. And another hand, I'm trying to reach for my remote control so I can like move my, turn my trolling motor on to like steer away from the docks that I'm getting up that the current's pushing me towards. So at the same time, I'm just like trying to do three things at one time. And finally I, he came up, saw the boat took off. I think I fought him for a good 15 minutes before he finally, like, you know, I finally got him. And as soon as I scooped him, I, I fell back on the boat. I was like, I was breathing so hard. I was like, Oh my geez. I was like, this is the biggest one ever. And then like, I, I, I kept in the water. I unhooked it in the water. I left it in the net. I drove a trolling motor over to Captain Dan. And I was like, hey, Captain, can you, can you do me a favor? He's like, what? I was like, he's like, can you take a photo for me, please? Cause there's no way I could take this photo. And he's like, he's like, yeah, sure. No problem. He's with clients. He just told a client, Hey, you can do me. One of my good, you know, one of my good uh, clients are here and he wants to, he wants to take a photo. So when I lifted that fish out of the wall, he was like, holy cow. I haven't seen that one that big in like five years so I took a picture and then i was i, I thanked them i drove around the corner you know uh i drove around the corner i uh, put the scale on it real quick digital scale it ran it went like 13 20 13 almost 30 and then i measured it it was like it was close to like 27 28 inches massive fish massive huge that's yeah. a, that's a that's one of those ones that got uh, away from the uh, Chesapeake Bay uh, Tunnel Bridge. <laughs> That's a big fish there, yeah. bro. Yeah, I took it up. <laughs> I went up, up, up a little bit near the sides. I, uh, I took, took my time. I revived her. You know, she swam away, and then like that day, I was just like, I was like the biggest kid in the world. I was smiling. Oh yeah, like, I was yeah. smiling from side to side. It was just, it was just unbelievable. So yeah, that was that was my biggest fish. All right, gentlemen, uh, we're going to be wrapping this up. So you guys got any sheep's head related goals for this, this upcoming year? 
Um, I do. I plan to beat Johnny. Oh, <laughs> throw down. Well, how about this? I plan to beat both of you. It's okay. I'm, I'm down with that. I like, you know I, how obsessed I, I get about things. I, yeah. I won't quit. Yeah. Um, three, uh, three ounces away from Johnny. I, I need, like, I, 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 I want a 14 because I like, I told myself like this year, I want a 14. They're there, you know, that they're not easy to catch, but I, I feel they're around. They are Jersey rapid. 14, right? A Jersey 14. A Jersey 14. Right. Look, this whole podcast is strictly about Jersey. You know, like yep. this Jersey unicorns, what they are. The uh, state record for New Jersey, believe it or not, is only 16 pounds. So we're, we were, we're two ounces away, two, two and a half ounces away, you know. And it was caught right at the uh, Ocean City Bridge, you know, the 50th bridge. That's where the state record was, 16 pounds. Wow. So, I mean, that's we're not far away from it. So, I mean, they're around. How about you, Johnny? Any goals for the upcoming season? Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, everyone's to be their personal best. So I'm going to strive to see if I can hit the 14. But that's easier said than done. That will probably take a lot of time, a lot of dedication for that. Um, Try to, you know, be the personal best. It's really hard. You know, I've gotten that. And then it's been like four years having con anywhere close to that size but you know there's another goal as well um uh, i know we talk about you know sizes uh, of the sheeps um let's talk about the numbers you know there, there are times that there's days where we we do catch a lot in one day um you know the most i've have ever had in one day or i've landed in one day was six so six sheeps in one day um i think we had like 12 sheeps total. That was probably the best day me and yeah. Qua had. Yeah, we had uh we had 12 on the boat that day. Those uh we had seven seven fish off one piling. Yeah. Within yeah. it was literally within but like 10 minutes. 10 minutes. Yeah. 10 minutes we pulled seven fish out of that one piling. So it's just like when they're stacked, they're stacked. You know what I mean? So and it's funny because we pulled two elevens out of that one spot too. Exactly. So we pulled we pulled big ones back to back on that one single piling, which is uh, is remarkable. <laughs> well, well, that's the that's the day we caught your miracle fish too. Yeah, that one ran him through the bunkers, out into center of the channel on the other side. So it was and, basically under, it was under the foundation of the bridge. Yeah, and into the channel where the boats go back the and channel. forth. And then and, we we had to finesse it to trick it to come back the opposite direction through one of the bulkheads through a a, a cross beam and out. How'd you pull that off? Yeah, so this this was a prime example of what we we spoke about earlier. You know, letting the fish kind of run Lead its you. course. Yep. Let it run its course. Don't give it any don't give it any resistance because you know it's just going to keep fighting, fighting, fighting back. You know, at that time, you know, I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm kind of screwed. It's like, I even told Qua like three, four times, like, I'm screwed. I don't even know how I'm going to land this fish. This fish is probably going to cut me off. And then, you know, just Qua reminded me, like, just loosen your drag, uh, let the fish run as much as possible. And it will just basically stop in the middle of this track and it'll go back the direction that it's coming from. And well, 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 we know it actually, it actually came back. I'm just reeling, reeling, reeling. It, it, you know, at one point there was actually slack in the line. So I'm just reeling, 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 reeling. And it actually went right under the boat towards 
the opposite direction towards <laughs> towards the sod banks. So like, oh, we got it out. And that's when we kind of put the hammer to it, start tightening up the drag, uh, put some heat on it. And then we, we took it out in the open waters. That's where we fought it for another 10 minutes. Like I said, like we all said, fish that size takes probably 15 minutes to actually land because they see the boat. They're going to go take that one miracle run. They'll see the boat again after five minutes. They'll take another miracle round. So it, 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 there's a lot of time, a lot of, you know, a lot of time and work with fish this size. So, you know, it, it was definitely, I, I would definitely call it a miracle fish. It was zero chance at one point of me landing that fish until it went back, right back under the, the bridge and out in the open water. So <laughs> prime Hallelujah. example. Hallelujah, right? And, and this is the guy running 10 pound braid. Just remember that. Yes. The, ch- the chances of landing this fish was like 2%. How about that? Yeah. I, I, the way these fish are built, they're built for power. I mean, it, they, they, they are unrelenting. They're stacked from bottom to top. So they, they, I'm telling you, it's not like anything else we're fishing for in these waters. You can't compare it to Tog. They're, Tog are powerful fish too, but they're not built like a sheep's head. So you got to give them their due, uh, their due time to get worn out. And then you got to obviously re- revive them correctly when you go to, to release them. Yeah. As far as my goals for this year, my uh, pretty simple. I just would like to beat my PB. I don't need to beat you guys. I, I take joy in you guys' success as well, but I'm, I'm going to shoot for a big fish. Uh, but my goals are to catch a sod bank sheep's head this year. Mm. And then also a jetty sheep's head this year. It's the, really the only things I haven't done yet in the sheep's head thing. And uh, those are just, I want to open it up. I, obviously, I'm not going offshore targeting sheep's head with my kayak. So, uh, but those are the two things I'm looking to do is uh, get one off the sod banks. We know they're there. We know they, they, they move around back there and they're not just on the bridges and the docks and everything. No. So that, that's my goals for this year. All right, gentlemen, I think that kind of wraps up our episode. We got into we got into some amazing sheep's head contact. I want to thank Johnny for being our guest today. Um, you can find him at Johnny fish, underscore fish cakes at, on Instagram. Um, we also talked about uh, Insom- Insomniac Guide Service. He's going to be uh, at Insomniac Guide on Instagram as well. I would definitely recommend reaching out to him if you're looking to up your sheep's head game or start your sheep's head game. Um, and also, uh, my experience was with my, my friend at, uh, never enough. It's N E V R N E U F never enough E N U F a little bit different, but we'll link all the, uh, the, uh, pages in the bio as well. Um, you can find us on many different podcast websites. I have the links in our bio under one, uh, one link. You can find all of them, um, from Apple podcasts all the way to Stitcher. Um, facebook.com is going to be our facebook page facebook.com backslash tide chasers podcast and then of course the instagram page is going to be tide chasers under un, tide underscore chasers and uh yeah we, we really appreciate you tuning in today for episode four sheep jersey sheep said it's one of the ones we're probably most passionate about so thank you for joining us everybody and please like share and uh leave us a, a five-star review on our on our content as well Look forward to uh, coming back to you next week with a, a new guest.
Stranglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV. A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. A mule there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.